Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing Metropolitan Masterpiece with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find a link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. While walking through the Greek and Roman galleries of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, it's hard to miss today's subject piece. Dating from circa 300 BCE, this large marble column once stood at the Temple of Artemis at Sardis. It's covered in delicate carvings, and it's easy to imagine how stunning the original building would have looked. So, to learn more about this ancient Greek column, keep on listening. Although a large section of the middle of the column has been lost to history, this work is still an imposing sight. Standing at nearly 12 feet tall, it dominates the space. We can classify this column as an ionic one because of the curled detail on the capital, or top. The ribs that run down the column are called fluting and provide visual interest. The base of the column is decorated with a floral or vegetative pattern. An archaeological survey of the temple indicates that this column likely came from either a west or east porch. Today, parts of the marble have been restored, but viewers can still get a sense of the column's imposing and original beauty. In order to understand the column's importance, I think it's crucial to discuss who the goddess Artemis was. In ancient Greek mythology, she was the goddess of the hunt, the wilderness, wild animals, nature, vegetation, childbirth, care of children, and chastity. She was the twin sister of Apollo, and they were children of Zeus and a mortal woman named Leto. Together, brother and sister ruled over the sun and moon, respectively. I think that the Homeric hymn number 27 sums up her powers beautifully. It reads, quote, I sing of Artemis, whose shafts are of gold, who cheers on the hounds, the pure maiden, shooter of stags, who delights in archery, own sister to Apollo with the golden sword. Over the shadowy hills and windy peaks, she draws her golden bow, rejoicing in the chase, and sends out grievous shafts. The top of the high mountains tremble, and the tangled woods echo awesomely with the outcry of beasts, earthquakes, and the sea where fishes shoal. Evidence of worship of Artemis can be found all over Greece and its colonies. This varies from statues to votive offerings to temples like where this column came from. There are many images of Artemis throughout the Met Museum, so make sure to keep an eye out for her while you wander the halls. Today's podcast subject was originally discovered at the Temple of Artemis at Sardis. This city is located in modern-day Turkey and was once the capital of the Lydian Empire. These Iron Age people settled in the area around the 7th century BCE, but they didn't rule long. Only a couple of centuries later, Sardis was conquered by the Persians. From there, it was conquered by Alexander the Great and came into the rule of the Hellenistic Empire. Over time, Greeks slowly replaced the Lydian and Persian languages, and rulers started building up the city. Besides the Temple of Artemis, archaeologists have uncovered the remains of a Paritanian, or government building, a gymnasium, athletic training center, a theater, and a hippodrome, or horse racing track. Fascinatingly, Sardis was also an early site for Jewish settlement outside of Israel and Palestine. It was also a site of early Christian movement. In fact, Sardis is mentioned in the New Testament in the Book of Revelations as one of the seven churches in Asia. In Revelations, it states, To the angel of the church in Sardis wrote, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. By this, the Bible is stating that the church in the city goes through the motions of worship and religion, but isn't sincere. After Constantinople was declared the capital of the Byzantine Empire in the 4th century CE, Sardis started to fade into the background. By the 1700s, it was a small town, though one filled with many fascinating ancient ruins. Next, I'm going to discuss some more specifics about temple and our temple of Artemis. But first, let's take a quick break.
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi there. This is Annalisa, the founder of Accessible Art History. Thanks for tuning in today. As a part of my mission, I work to provide free quality art history content for anyone who is curious. But if you'd like to support Accessible Art History, you can find the link to my Patreon for monthly support or buy me a coffee for a one-time donation. If you do decide to donate, please let me know so that I can give you a shout out on a future episode. Thank you for listening and let's get back to our episode. All right, now that we're back, let's talk about the purpose of the Temple of Artemis. In ancient Greek societies, temples were called naios. This was because they weren't just places of worship, but were in fact the home of the gods. Each city had its own sacred sites, and temples were maintained by the priestly class. The gods were in control of everything in the natural world. From the weather to the success of crops, from war to love, gods held all the power. So it was crucial that their homes were maintained and that they were happy. Priests ensured that the temples were kept clean and were decorated with the finest images and items. Citizens of the city would bring money or food to ensure that the gods were well-fed. It was a delicate system to ensure that the gods were happy and therefore would bring favor to the city. Inside of the temple, the god or goddess would have been represented by a statue or a cult image. In the case of today's podcast episode subject, that would have been a representation of Artemis. Sadly, it's been lost to history, so we aren't sure what she would have looked like. Cities would aim to create a statue of the finest material possible. The better material, the more favor that it could bestow. The success of the relationship with the god therefore determined the success of the city. If you look closely at the bottom of the column, directly above the base, you will see a ring of carved stone. The small rounded shapes are leaves, transforming the section of the column into a wreath. In ancient Greek culture, wreaths are symbolic of victory and memory. They are often accompanying dedicatory or sacrificial, funerary, or athletic inscriptions. In order to fully understand the use of a wreath motif in this column, we have to travel back to the original site in Sardis. On one of the columns at the original site, there is a dedicatory inscription. It reads, My torus and my foundation blocks are carved from a single block of stone, furnished on by people but given to the temple, and continues with unabashed pride, of all the columns, I am the first to rise. Although experts have dated this inscription to between the 1st and 2nd century CE, so a few centuries after the temple was built, it was put there because of the temple's long history and connection to the city. It's likely that the people who ordered the inscription understood this and felt that it would make the inscription that much more powerful because of its connection to the past. The first written record in, quote, modern times of the Temple of Artemis were found in an account written in 1444 by Syracius of Ancona. On his trip to Sardis, he wrote that he saw 12 round, huge columns. 500 years later, American archaeologist Howard Crosby Butler was invited by the Imperial Ottoman Museum to excavate at the temple. This would have been the first time that there had been an organized survey of the site. Due to this exciting opportunity, Butler was able to persuade many sponsors to help pay for the expedition, including members of the Board of Trustees of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Butler and his team excavated at Sardis for four seasons, until World War I and Greco-Turkish tensions prohibited him from going back. When he was finally able to go back in 1922, he and his team were devastated to find that much of their careful work had been destroyed by conflict. However, he didn't let that get him down and continued to work enthusiastically at the site. It also didn't hurt that a new treaty, passed in 1920, established laws concerning the excavation and exportation of antiquities. It stipulated that archaeologists can export half of their 
antiquities unearthed at Turkish sites, meaning Butler could send his discoveries back to America and American museum collections. This is how the column we're discussing today came to be in the Met Museum. It was a thank you gift from the excavation to the wealthy philanthropists that served on the board. The Metropolitan Museum of Art has one of the finest collections of ancient art in North America. It contains more than 30,000 works dating from the Neolithic period to the 4th century CE. One important thing to note is that even though many of the works fall into the Greco-Roman category, they are actually representative of larger empires that both cultures created. Visitors can view objects from prehistoric Greece, Syria, and even art from pre-Roman cultures like the Etruscans. The galleries of this part of the museum are absolutely stunning. Sculptures fill an interior courtyard that is supported by several large, classically inspired columns. The space is lit almost entirely with natural light that streams in from the skylights. Visitors almost feel as if they've been transported to ancient times and are strolling through their villas enjoying art. The column from the Temple of Artemis is the focal point of Gallery 160. This gallery holds art from the Hellenistic period and serves as an introduction to the larger space. Thanks to its massive size, it's hard to miss. Although the Temple of Artemis at Sardis is in ruins today, this column stands to remind us of its beautiful legacy. Victory, memory, and religion are all written into the marble so that later generations can learn from the past. Well, that's a wrap on today's episode. Make sure to tune in next time for an episode on Bronzino's Portrait of a Young Man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces for updates and to keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every week on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, you can find episodes there on well, about two weeks after each episode is posted. Cheers and see you for the next episode.